Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Good afternoon. And everyone listening, wherever you are at the moment. My name is Bertram. I'm one of... um, those guys assisting the pastors and the leadership here at Calvary Chapel, South London. And um, as Pastor Patrick was saying earlier on, as we get to this time of these summer months, it's often very busy for um, Calvary Chapels, especially with Creation Fest, um, a music and Bible festival out there in Wadebridge, Cornwall, um, starting, that was yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. It was on the way until the weekend. And a couple of the pastors here participating and a couple of members. I thought it was going to be pretty empty today. But then there's a whole big cloud of witnesses in front of me. Thanks, guys. Um, when we also find this time when people, lots of people are away on holidays. And, um, but then it's also a good opportunity for us to take time away from a typical schedule where we're looking through books of the Bible to just deal with a few topical issues. So um, I'm grateful, uh, having been entrusted with this opportunity to speak and encourage us out of Scripture today. Now, I've chosen to base our talk today in one of the best-known psalms in the Bible, Psalm 23. Familiarity, they say, breeds contempt. But we must not let um, that keep us from remembering who it is that provides, that delivers, that protects and keeps us as his own. So, as we consider this today... Let's begin by reading this well-known psalm together, Psalm 23. Can I ask us, if you can, to please stand as we read Psalm 23 together? Very short passage, so we're not going to be standing for long, but we're standing in reverence to the Lord. Shall we? Uh, For those of you who haven't got any Bibles with you, that's up there on a wall behind me. And it reads, let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, a testimony like this. Thank you, Lord, that it's even so popular (laughs) and so easy for 
many and all of us to want to lay claim to this testimony. But thank you, Lord God, that it is true. It's not just random Hebrew poetry picked out of thin air, but a testimony to your faithfulness, a testimony to your power, to your protection, to your provision, to your deliverance, and to the promise of salvation and rest that you give to everyone who trusts in you. Thank you, Lord, for being our shepherd. Thank you for encouraging us even by this word today. I pray, Lord, that I speak as you would have your flock here. I pray, Lord God, that even the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, you know, you lead this people, including myself. We all belong to you. So we ask, Lord, feed us today as we come into your pasture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be... How can we live confidently in the Lord? How can we have confidence even to walk the days that God gives to us? Um, Recently celebrated another year of life and just begun a new one. And I thank God for that. But you know what? If you ask me, what did you do, Bertram, to, to live so many years and start a new one? I can't answer that question. I can't tell you that, oh yeah, because of all the vitamins and the iron tablets and I swim and I cycle once in a while. That's got nothing whatsoever to do with it. Because there are very active people who just collapse right in the middle of a very strong game of lawn tennis, driving the, and next thing you know, they're on, on the ground. Bring the best paramedics and medical professionals to do anything about saving them. Nothing happens. But lest I digress, while we go through our lives, we grapple with things that are common to all of us. If not every day or all at once, from time to time, we often address these questions. And there are four of them I want to just bring out from here. Where does my provision come from? How will my needs be met every day? When I stumble or lose my way, or even don't know where I'm at, how do I find my feet again? Or even how do I find my way again? When my heart fails for fear of what I see or experience or encounter, where do I find strength or confidence When all is said and done, what can I hope for? What remains for me? Let's look together at this psalm again as we um, consider the testimony of the psalmist. It's short. It's very short. So I'm banking on you to work with me now as we look at it together. Um... Looking at the psalm, and I would encourage you to open your Bibles as well. Please open to Psalm 23. Looking at the psalm, who are the people we can see in there? I mean, we read through the six verses. Who are the people identified in the psalm? There is the... David? David? Oh, it's just Brian here now. Please work with me. <laughs> who are the people we see in the psalm? Just as, it, as it's written there. Who? The Lord. The Lord. Somebody said enemies. Great. 
and the psalmist. Now, obviously, um, there's a lot to learn about the Lord in that passage. And kind of like sewing a piece of clothing together, we're going to rip that psalm apart into a few bits. Let's look at what we can learn about the Lord from here. And moving quickly now, let's narrow our focus on the Lord. Um, What do we see in verse 1 about the Lord? What do we learn about him? Here's, Here's a shepherd. And what else can we see as we move on in verse 2? Sorry? He's a provider. So as he says, he, may, he, he's, he, is this, he's, he provides for him. He's a provider. What makes you say that? He makes him lie down in green pastures. Imagine that for a sheep. <laughs> green pastures. Gosh. And then he leads him beside quiet waters. Not muddy waters, not waters stirred up. You know, sometimes when you buy them some milkshakes and stuff like that, these juices they make nowadays, you see things settle at the bottom, and you can get some clear bit at the top and all the gonk at the bottom. All right? The picture is of clear waters, not disturbed. Okay? Now, what else do we see about the Lord? He what? He leads him. Seems like it's just Brian here. Come on, church, work with me today. Please, I don't get to stand here often. (laughs) So, um, he leads him. He leads him. What else do we see? Verse 3. Anybody? He restores. He what? He heals. Okay, he restores. What else does he do? Verse 3. He guides, he leads. And in verse 4, can we see anything else? Let's keep it moving. Church, he protects him. He protects, he comforts. Okay? Is there anything else we're missing there? He's always present. He's always present, you see. And... um. As we see this, we wonder about this Lord. I hope you're beginning to see more about the Lord than perhaps you may have seen or taken time to stop and see about the Lord. What else does he do for him in verse 5? What else do we learn about the Lord? He provides. And anything else? Verse 5? I, I, I take us through all this just again um, because from time to time, I mean, just sitting on the other side of this, of this um, what do you call this now? Pilpit, of this lectern. Sometimes it's beneficial. It's beneficial for us um, whilst... We may, in a sense, be, be sat as sheep receiving from the pastor, another word for a shepherd. Let's see what it entails as well. If we get set before us food, the word of God, and so we can chop it up for ourselves and see 
wow, what's in here? What can I learn about the Lord? What can I make out about the Lord from this very, very short psalm? So, in verse 5, he provides. So, he, pre- he does what? He prepares a table. I mean, it's lovely. I know kids love this. I can tell you that for a fact. They'd be at home. They don't mind. I'm not speaking about anybody in particular. <laughs> they could be at home all day. The food stuff is right there. Everything is there. Have you had anything to eat? No. How did you know that? <laughs> but you get home and you prepare a table and you present it. The Lord does that for him. He prepares a table. Even though we have all that we need, he still prepares it. Now, he also anoints his head with oil. And one more thing we see about the Lord in verse 6. There is a dwelling place of the Lord. There is a dwelling place of the Lord. But then, before we let familiarity or the simplicity of this passage get to us, let's go back over it again. This time, we want to learn what we can about the psalmist. About the psalmist. In verse 1, we see that he is a, what is he? He's a sheep of the shepherd. We see also that um, in verse 2, he is provided for by the shepherd. He's brought to green pasture by the shepherd. Again, that just keeps blowing my mind every time I see it. Wow. Brought to green pasture. A sheep. Oh, my God. Come to lie down in your food. Oh, my God. What provision? That's ample. I can't can't even do anything to make that more explicit. Um, And then he's brought to quiet waters. He's brought to quiet waters. Waters that are, if you like, the illustration I'd like to use is super filtered. No lime scale in it. The water's good for drinking. It's fresh. It's, it's clear. You ain't going to catch Ebola from it. <laughs> Forgive me. I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but you're not going to catch. It, it's clear waters, waters that are not muddied. And in verse 3, this sheep, his soul is restored. He is guided by the Lord. It's particularly interesting how the Lord guides him. In paths of righteousness. For the sheep's sake? No. For his name's sake. For the Lord's sake. And then this sheep is also, though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, the sheep fears no evil. He's not disturbed or perturbed by any evil around. He's not shook. By all those things. But God is with him. The shepherd is with him. That's why he's not bothered at all. And then (laughs) he's faced with a table that's prepared and arranged by God. That's interesting. Now, quickly again, I want us to quickly go back over this passage. Where are the places where 
God or the sheep and the shepherd find themselves. He finds himself in green pastures. He finds himself beside quiet waters. He finds himself in paths of righteousness. He finds himself in the valley of the shadow of death. He finds himself in the presence of enemies. He finds himself also hoping and looking for the house of the Lord. Or looking forward to the house of the Lord. Just as we look at all these things, I thought it might help. I, 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 I imagine it's somewhat familiar of, or a familiar picture that um, the psalmist uses to us. I mean, Britain being a country where sheep are reared. I don't think there's anyone here who's not seen sheep or sheep being reared. I beg your pardon? <laughs> I know we don't live in the countryside, but if you've ever driven, driven just about 10 miles out, you're bound to have come across sheep being reared. All right? And it's just a picture that David uses. I mean, give the guy a break. He's, he's a shepherd himself before he came to be king, before he came to be anointed, before he came to have all these things of which he speaks about, using the picture, a word picture of sheep and a shepherd. Now, how does all this relate to us? How does all this relate to us? What, um, what experience or what did David encounter that brings him to talk about these sorts of things? It's all picturesque so far. But just picking on one or two of these, of these um, contexts in which he speaks, or of which he speaks, I want us to consider verse 3 of the psalm, where the psalmist says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Consider the life of David. And there's an account in 1 Samuel where we find David... This time, if you like, on the run from Saul and living as, if you like, a hired hand, helping out people in the, in the region of Israel. And he comes across this man called Nabal. And he goes out and he has actually helped this guy with sheep sharing. And time comes now for end of the season. Right, let's pay a curtsy call to Nabal and collect our dues, goes with these guys or sends messengers to, to, to Nabal, and the man goes, who is this David? Isn't he one of these, if I may, if I may use a term, ragamuffins, isn't he one of these rascals? He's just a, a, a machinery, one of these guys who just sell themselves out for, for cheap to the highest bidder. Don't care who he is, man. Don't want to even know about him. And David hears the report and he tells his boys, guys, tulop. We're going to see Nabal. We're going to pay that guy a serious visit. And by the time we come back, I tell you, if anybody is alive remaining for that guy, that's it. It's all over. And he's heading out there. Well, what do you know? 
Nabal has a wife called Abigail. She hears about David's intentions to come wipe them out and goes on the way to meet David. In 1 Samuel um, 26, in 1 Samuel, I beg your pardon, 25, we read an account of Nabal's wife coming out to see David and she makes an appeal asking David, look, there is no point really shedding innocent blood here. There is no point shedding the blood of this guy, even though he is ungrateful, even though he's unthankful, even though he's not appreciative of what you've done. Um, Don't go doing something that eventually when God establishes you, you'd have people raising questions or asking you about and saying, ah, David, isn't this that David who did such and such and wiped out this guy's family just for the price of hire? And as I read this psalm, I see evidence of that where David testifies. He guides me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is a guy who was going to be king. He could easily have let his, his anger get the best of him and wiped out Nabal and all the men in his household. But God sends this wise, God-fearing woman to come speak a gentle word, calm him down. What else do we see? Um, we see David in verse 4 talking about even though he walks in the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. Twice on the run, one from the king before him, and one from another after him who desired to be king, his own son. Twice on the run. Each time on the run from people who want to take his life, from people who want his head on a block. Um, recently, I don't know if you have followed, but recently... And it's not, a, not, for any, not for anything else, but just to see what's going on. We hear about the crisis going on in Syria, in Iraq, the Islamic State establishing themselves with all kinds of force and violence, really taking out people who they consider are threats. And the stuff you see is really, really graphic. To an extent, you could say crazy. That's the kind of stuff David was up against. With prices being placed on his head to seek his life. But odd thing he does, he runs away from Saul, runs into enemy territory. There's one thing David's famous for. What's that? A battle with a giant. Anybody remember? Goliath. Well, he's on the run from Saul, and where does he run to? Goliath is a Philistine, and he runs to the Philistine country, runs to Goliath's hometown. And guess what? He's safe there. And I'm thinking, dude, you have quite a checkered life. You really have quite a checkered life. You run from your enemies, 
into the camp of another enemy, but yet you're kept safe there. That's God keeping him safe. So that even among the Philistines, he is safe. Though they were enemies of God. So, all right, we cut the piece, we cut the passage apart. But then that's not how David presents it. He presents it all together as one. So what is it that pieces this all together for us? What things have we seen about the Lord or that tie the Lord and the psalmist together? I hope you see by now that it's the relationship that they have. The sheep and the shepherd have a relationship. What kind of relationship do they have? Well, David can say of the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Can I ask, does the Lord mean anything to you? When you need someone who you constantly can look up to or turn to or call in times of need, is that person ultimately or first and foremost the Lord? Who looks after you? Or are you fine by yourself? And I've heard people say, I don't need any crutch to lean on, thank you. may be good for you, but I'll be just fine for myself. It's interesting the kind of stuff that's out there in the world. I think there's a book that's just been released, um, which the British Humanist Association are pushing really hard. A Young Person's Guide to Freedom of Belief or something like that. Again, the aim is basically, look, you don't need God. You don't need a shepherd. You can be fine by yourself. Perhaps you've come across that at work, or people that you you step on the bus with, or people you work side by side with. And you're probably in places where they tell you, um, can you keep your beliefs private? Keep that at home. This is a public service. We don't do God here. Well... Let me introduce or remind us who we can turn to. Let me remind us that we have one who is a true shepherd. We have one who is the good shepherd, who is full of compassion. Basically seeing us as we are, seeing the world as it is, like sheep without a shepherd, Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says, like sheep without a shepherd, and he took compassion on the, on the, on, on the people as he entered into, um, I believe it was Jerusalem. He saw the multitudes, and he was like, oh, felt for this crowd, like sheep without a shepherd. Imagine people who don't know their way, who don't know their left from their right, don't believe there is a God, don't believe there is anyone you can turn to, You've just got to do good by yourself. You can make it. It's, it's a very common and very popular ideology out there. 
in our present day. I'm sure you all know that. I think you do. If you don't, I hope you do. But let's be reminded of one who is appointed by God to shepherd all who come to him, to gather God's sheep from all nations. His name is Jesus. In John chapter 10 and verse 14, John chapter 10 and verse 14, he tells us that he is the good shepherd and he's known by his own and his own know him. I mean, think about all the things we see the shepherd does for the sheep. We see that if you, if, if you, you can't remember, look back over that psalm again. He is a good shepherd and he knows his own and they know him. The shepherd sees us all and calls out to all of us that we trust in him, that we believe in him. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you call upon the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ at all? I don't mean you come here every Sunday. I don't say that as a tell-off or a put-down. Is a relationship one that's vibrant or active? As I, as I ask that question, I can think of a few things that I own, but that I haven't touched for a while. Dust gathering on them. I don't use them. Books, gadgets, the kinds of things that just gather and put aside. <laughs> and sometimes my wife just tires of me like... <laughs> Why do you keep buying these books and you don't read them? You have all the books, but you just don't do anything about them. Do we have the Lord, but just have the Lord as an added extra or as a sidekick or as a companion or as the one who leads us. Just a reminder, and I don't say that really to put anyone down, it's hard. Let's not kid ourselves. But the strength to sustain that relationship comes from him. Because he is the good shepherd. Remember, he prepares the table for us. Now, um, the point is so emphasized by the Lord. Can I ask a question again? As we look through this psalm, have you found that God faithfully provides for you? I mean, this is to an extent that this to an extent that he does without he does he even does it without such a close relationship. I don't know how many of you remember that passage of scripture where it says he causes his sun to shine upon the just and the unjust. Everybody's enjoying this lovely weather out here today. No discrimination. But guess what? If you're even closer, oh my goodness. Look at what Jesus says. And I'm going to just read quickly through a passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 6. The point is so well emphasized by the Lord, I, I can't think of any way or need to make it even clearer. Matthew chapter 6 
and I'm reading from verse 16. I might skip a few verses as well. He says in there, um, beg your pardon. So reading from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. I'll skip that. Moving on over to verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I love this illustration. You couldn't put it better than Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. The way I like to put it, I haven't seen birds at checkout in Tesco. I haven't, have you? If you have, tell me. But the Lord provides for them. Um, and yet your heavenly, va- your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much worth much more? Are you not wor- worth much more than they? I'm stumbling over the words. Kind of too eager to make the point. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. Kind of things we do. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And he goes on, encouraging us, rather than be anxious about those things, to place our trust in the Lord and his provision for us. No wonder David can testify. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He can testify that for real because he sees God, God's provision, God's hand. Can I ask you, just as at times at work, because I gather together with some other Christians and we pray from time to time, praying that As we work today, as we work each day, God, please let the work of our hands be the answer to somebody's prayer. There's people who come in needing somewhere to stay, needing food to eat, needing help to pay their rent. And in your your various places of work, you find yourself helping out. You find yourself sorting out somebody's need, somebody's problem, somebody's difficulty. It's not just a job. God arranges things in that way. He's got us covered in terms of provision. Now, look at verse 3. You see, there's a passage in Scripture that makes this point so clear. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Look, every one of us As God's word 
clearly states it. Without God, we are just lost. Without God, I don't know what hope you have other than to just live, have a good life, travel the world, get the best fashion in your time, you know, have the best gadgets, nice car, enough money to live on, and then die. What's the point? But if God did that, my gosh, I think that would just be a futile existence. That would just be a futile, pointless existence. But guess what? Humanists believe that. Secularists believe that. Atheists probably believe that. But God gives us a hope. And here, the psalmist talks about our souls being restored. I want to drive this point home by asking us to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. What Jesus has done, indeed, to restore our soul and to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10, we learn that he suffered death so that we might be saved. I mean, great, um, uh, great expositions Sean um, Dean gave on, on that this morning. <laughs> Sean, where'd that come from? <laughs> Dean gave on that this morning. He suffered death so that we might be saved. Let's remember that. If we are in Christ, stumbled, fallen, fallen into sin, Dean mentioned that. Look, it's the death of Jesus Christ, his shed blood that makes us holy. It's nothing to do with us. It's nothing about how many good works we come to present to God. It's his shed blood that makes us holy. It's a good point to reflect on this. If you suffer condemnation, Satan comes around and like, bro, you've fallen. There's no point going to church today. Don't even call Dean. Don't call Bertram. Don't call Jason. Don't call anyone. Just stay here. Flick on the TV, man. Do something else. Don't call on the Lord. Remember, it is the death of Jesus, his shed blood, that makes you, me, holy. Remember that. If you're led to think that you're not guided in the paths of righteousness, listen, at those kind of times where the adversary would say, don't even hook up with anyone, You'd get so many calls. Can I, can, I, can I get witness? you get so many calls. you get so many messages. How are you doing, bro? Sis, where you been? Don't ignore them. The Lord's sending people to you to guide you in the paths of righteousness. The good shepherd's sending people out to you. Don't ignore that. He cares for you. He cares for you. It's Jesus Christ and his work. His shed blood is what delivers us. His shed blood is what restores our souls. When we err, 
and constantly have cause to turn is the Lord who guides us to come back to him as his own. When life happens to us, looking at verse 4, who are you going to call? <laughs> In spiritual warfare, ghostbusters? Well, in a sense, because almost like, almost like Job who found himself in one day dealing with so many ghosts, tearing down his life and ripping things apart. He didn't, did he know what was going on? Well, here's the encouragement. Who are you going to call? Are you going to call the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, our shepherd. Seeing that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces, ghosts anyway, aren't they? In a sense. Of wickedness. In heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12. Who are you going to call? Call on the Lord. The good shepherd. Call on the Lord. Because he urges us to be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. For all these things. What conclusion does the psalmist come to in verse 6? for all that we see about this relationship, which is at the core of everything. The Lord is his shepherd. He's able to testify out of experience. Can I ask you, if there is no relationship with the Lord, it's a good time to take those calls that you've had seriously it's funny, sometimes when we go out on Saturdays and meet people out there in the Lewisham Shopping Centre, and I encourage you all to please come, it's a beautiful experience. You'd ask people, hello, can I interest you what I'm doing today? I'm out here telling people about Jesus Christ. And they walk the other way. And you wonder, you run after them, like, <laughs> you run after them like, Did I say something wrong? I don't believe in Jesus. Okay. So you've heard about him before. When you have those calls from the Lord, you've had those calls. If you have not heard about Jesus here today, please, I beg you, come and see me. I'll tell you. Or if you came with someone who said, just come to church. Maybe they tricked you into coming. But now you've heard about Jesus. Ask them, why didn't you tell me about this Jesus? Tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about this good shepherd. Because uh, if you're convinced he is so good, but that's not the point. The point is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what enables this man to testify that the Lord is his shepherd. And I hope you can testify that too. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
I hope you can testify that he makes you lie down in green pastures. You can testify of his provision and his care for you. If that relationship is kind of, well, Lord, you know, I like the way some of us handle our um, social media pages. Facebook, the last time I was there was years ago. Or you have a Twitter account, no tweets. Listen, keep that relationship live, active, look for the Lord, call upon him, pray to him, trust him, depend on him like, like <laughs> if there is need, rather than go to the bank manager because they've said, yeah, you've you got a card, free loan, just, just dial and we'll activate it for you. Go to the Lord first. Make that relationship a real one today. Let's stand. I'm particularly um, concerned and interested in having a conversation with you, if I addressed you in any way directly just now, that, hey, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or I have one, but it's kind of, you know, one of those nominal things. I'm particularly interested in having a conversation with you after we pray. Um, Or I can't really say the relationship is like you described or like David described. I'm interested in, in, in having a conversation. And in case you think, well, it's, there's going to be so many people, don't worry. I'm sure there'll be more hands here, or even the person who you come with today, or the person sitting next to you. But hear this we have a good shepherd who indeed cares for our souls. We have a good shepherd who is indeed able to comfort us, able to be a consolation, someone we can run to for help and a refuge in time of need. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's on account of what he's done, offering his life. We celebrated that today. His blood was shed literally for the sake of us being able to come to God. When we have a relationship with him. Please hear that call. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a passionate plea. Not, I'm not the one who's passionate. Some days I'm not. If I be honest, some days I'm not feeling like sharing that. But that's the Lord's plea. He is the good shepherd. He will not stop. I'm making that plea to you. So Father, we pray. We we. Thank you for this testimony of David, being able to tell of your faithfulness, being able to tell of the wonderful relationship that you have or that you had that he had with you and the experience, Lord. We just pray that it's so for every one of us, especially if we have a relationship with you, and even more so where we do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. You've given it so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Jesus Christ. May there be 
opportunity. As your word says, um, today, let the heart that hears this, that, that is relevant to not fail to hear and let the heart not be hardened but to hear this call and turn to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your care for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.